The, the day rate contracting, I didn't find it particularly fulfilling. Yes, I mean, the, the money's good, you know, but you're brought in and kind of told, you know, this is the format we, we need the requirements to be uh, defined into and you've got to put them all into, into JIRA in this format. Yeah, you, you're going to run these workshops. Um, and it just kind of took away a lot of that, um, the, the creative side of being a BA that I, that I like about, you know, working out, well, what, what's the best approach for me to adopt in this particular business situation? Welcome to the Inside Business Analysis Podcast. I'm your host, Tanner Jacobs. And today I'm joined with Stu. How are you doing today, Stu? I'm very good, Tanner. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, very well. Thank you for um, agreeing to come on the show and being willing to share your expertise with the um, with our listeners today. Can you just briefly introduce, you know, to everyone who you are and what do you do? Okay, so yeah, I'm Stu Mullinger. I'm a consultant business analyst. Um, I've been a BA for, it'll be 20 years next year. Um, and it looks like I've been doing it longer. It's, it's, I've had a hard life. Um and yeah, so I've, I've worked in a variety of BA roles and, and kinds of BA role um, uh, along my journey there. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll dig into some of that. But yeah, currently I'm the, the sole BA at Better Business Analysis Limited, which is a, a BA consultancy. Awesome. Awesome. And how long have you been the sole BA of Better Business Analysis for? So I started it uh, back in uh, the summer of 2020. So fairly early into the, the COVID pandemic. Um, yeah, great time to start a business as, as the world fell apart around this. Oh, yeah, I can, I can imagine. Uh, I can imagine. So so this is your own company, isn't it? Yeah. So after 20 years of uh, working as a, as a business analyst, what, what led you to this path? So I had been prior to prior to the pandemic. I've been working for a couple of years as a a day rate contractor. Um, did a, a few gigs like that, and my my final gig <laughs> finished um, at the end of twenty nineteen. And me and my my husband we we had a holiday booked for twenty twenty um, in in February. And think, thinking, well, there's no point getting another contract until until we have that holiday and we come back and then I'll, I'll look and take the next thing because we came back and uh, into a, a world where people started wearing face masks and everyone stopped stopped recruiting BAs at that point. So there was a, a brief hiatus um, and yeah, that, that gave me the time to stop and think about, well, what, what do I actually want to be doing? Um, and the more I thought about it, I thought actually I'd quite like, you know, to have my own company, um, do things do things my way, uh, take on the, the pieces of work that I want to do. Um, yeah, so <laughs> set up the company. It was a, a big leap for me. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I think, to, to be fair, I mean, it's it sounds like you were pushed into it, but just just it also sounds like you had a very good timing with that holiday. Just before the pandemic, you went away, relaxed, and then came back to the world as chaotic. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, so, what? How did you know then? In terms of wanting to start your own thing, I'm curious to kind of understand that a bit more. In terms of, like, why didn't you just carry on kind of going through uh, finding another contract or maybe finding another permanent role? What? What were the? What were the kind of main points that led you to really realize that yes, actually, this is the path I want to take? Yeah. So the the, the day rate contracting, I I didn't find it particularly fulfilling. Um, 
you would you would be brought in, and yes, I mean the, the money's good, you know, for, for each day that you work. But you're brought in, and you're there, whether or not um, stakeholders have got time to spend talking to you. Um, the, so the the pace of the work wasn't great. I, I found quite often, um, and yeah, you were always kind of told, you know, this is the format we we need the requirements to be. Uh, defined into, and you've got to put them all into into Jira in this format, etc. Um, yeah, you, you're going to run these workshops, um, and it just kind of took away a lot of that um, the, the creative side of being a BA that I, that I like about you know working out well what was the best approach for me to adopt in this particular business situation, and I wasn't really getting that as a contractor. Um, you're just sort of there to be <laughs> kind of, you know, they point you at the work and off you go. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very, very strong points there. And I think I've seen that as well uh, with, with contractors uh, who've come into the companies I've worked at. And it is very, like, you're only here to do this. So do that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sort of perspective that, and there's no freedom to, to kind of go down another way. So, so, okay. So you had all these frustrations, but obviously there was an also an, an, another element of this perfect timing in the sense that you probably couldn't get another contract even if you wanted to because of the pandemic and all the rest of it. So that then actually led you to almost bring this to life, I guess, this thing that you know you may have been thinking about it for some time. Yeah, um, and there's, um, there's a, a saying, I, I've no idea where I picked it up, but it's that um, when a fisherman can't go to sea, he mends his mm-hmm. nets. Right, and so right. it, it basically means yeah. that you know, when you can't be doing the thing that you want to be doing, you get yourself in a good position to do that thing better and more effectively when you do have the opportunity to do that. And so yeah. part of the, the setup of the company, that process gave me time to really take stock about, well, you know, what work do I want to be doing? Um, what's going to make me happy in that? Have I got the skills and knowledge that I need to do those things well? Um, how am I going to have those conversations where I don't want to do something? You know, all, all of these different things. I, I, I could take a bit of time to just get myself ready to be effective like that. Of course, yeah. What are some of the differences then between being a contractor and now being a, uh, I guess, your own solo consultant, if that makes sense. Yeah. So um, a, a big practical difference is when I take on a piece of work, I'm quoting a fixed fee for that work generally. Right. Um, so there'll be in, introductory conversations and, and scoping for that work where I'll be trying to work out, well, okay, what activities do I think I'm going to be doing here? How long are those things going to take me? Therefore, how much do I want to be charging for this? How much do I think the client's going to be willing to pay for it? <laughs> Trying to, um, yeah, hit on that number. And it's um, it, it can be risky because if I get that wrong, I may have signed myself up to a lot more work than I'm ever going to be able to charge them for, and that's my loss. I might, yeah. I might go the other way hasn't happened yet but i might go the other way get really lucky where i've quoted a price actually i managed to do it in you know far less time and effort than than i ever thought it would be i'm quids in i'm still waiting yeah. for, for that gig to come along but <laughs> fingers crossed <laughs> yeah fingers crossed that's that is that sounds scary to you i'll be honest how do you 
Yeah, that sounds scary to me. Because how do you then figure out? Because when you're saying you're, you're pricing, uh, you, you're fixing your prices even. Uh, I, I'm imagining that they would tell you that we're looking for uh, business analysis work for six months. And then effectively you're saying for six months worth of work, this is my this is my price for that six month period. Is that is that effectively how the conversation would be going? Yeah, so um, yeah, I'll be asking questions around what they want to be achieving and I'll, I'll then be thinking about, well, what BA activities am I going to need to do uh, to make that happen? So it generally won't be that, you know, they'll ask for a BA for six months. It'll be, we'd like you to review all of our finance processes, for example, and, and come up with recommendations to, to improve them. Um, so I'll, I'll be then trying to find out, well, how many processes is that? And how big do I think those are? Because, you know, not all processes are created equal. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll be breaking that down into, okay, well, I think I'm going to need a number of workshops with stakeholders. I'm going to need time to uh, produce process models and analyze those. I'm going to be wanting to document the systems that they're using, the roles that are involved. Um, I'll be sort of totting all of those things up, thinking, well, yeah, okay, it's going to take me half a day to do the workshop. I'm probably going to need another day sort of um, wrapped around that to, to plan it effectively and then to manage my outputs from it. So I'll be sort of piecing that up into um, how long will this piece of work take. Mm. And then pricing it accordingly, yeah. following on from that. That is so interesting. And, and then do you... Would, is it a is it up to you in terms of how the payment schedule works or is it the client that decides that in terms of pay up front pay per month pay at the end kind of situation i've i've done it a, a, a few ways and uh, I'm, I'm not too hung up about it um but okay. yes yeah, so i can split the the fee across you know so there's a, a monthly bill um or just pay at the end to be honest if it's looking like it's a six months piece of work i probably don't want to wait six months to get paid Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just wanted to point that out because I think, obviously, as from a from an employee perspective, we think salary. Mm. From a contractor perspective, we, you probably think day rate. But from this perspective, being a business-to-business type of interaction, um, it sounds like a, it, it, it sounds like it could be one of those options. You know, pay up front, pay during, or pay at the end, depending on how far, you know, how long the, the work takes. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting. Are there any other differences apart from, I guess, the way you procure work and the way you, um, uh, what's the word, the way you negotiate that work and things like that, particularly when you are now doing the work? Is there any particular differences in that or is it still, you still feel like I'm a, I'm a BA, if that makes sense? Yeah, um, I think, you know, I, I am fully in control of the the techniques that I use, the the, the format of my outputs that I create. Um, all of those things are sort of within my gift to to choose what I think is going to be most effective. Um, nobody else gets to dictate how I do the business analysis work. Um, so yeah, I really I really like that side of it. Um, just being in in control there to choose what I think is going to work best. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. So, so control, freedom, these are the words I'm hearing. Um, and it sounds like you 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 are enjoying it and still enjoying it since uh, two years ago. So it's it's probably safe to say that you don't regret making this decision then. Yeah, um, I mean, being able to to choose the pieces of work that I do is nice as well. You know, I 
I, I work largely in the legal sector, um, and you know, doing you know, work, work that finds process efficiencies for law firms. At the end of the day, that's that's making more money for lawyers, and most people would probably say lawyers don't need more money. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I like those bits of work that go beyond that, that do actually improve the jobs for, for people in those organisations. You know, that it removes the, the pain points for them in processes, makes the work more yeah. rewarding. Um, you know, they, they can take their time away from mundane activities and, and get focused on the, the stuff where they get to actually apply their expertise and insights. Um yeah, I, I did one, one small bit of work um, with uh, a lady that runs a lingerie company. It was a, a little bit oh. of pro bono work. And, um, yeah, she she wanted to improve profitability so that she could pay her people more, which uh, I, I thought was amazing. Yeah, I, You know, you don't get many approaches like that. Um, but I was like, yes, I, I, can, I can help you do that. Um, so, yeah, any... Any angle like that that really attracts me about a piece of work. Yeah, yeah, that sounds that definitely sounds interesting. Um, and in terms of these clients that you're working with and, and things like that, you you just touched on briefly that you obviously have expertise in the legal sector, um, but I'd imagine your 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 clientele, particularly with Better Business Analysis, is is fairly open to um, any kind of business that requires business analysis activities of sorts? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't advertise myself on, on my site as, as being, you know, a, a BA to the legal world. Um, mm. But that is where <laughs> the vast majority of my work and, and the interest in my work uh, comes from. Um, but I, I do like to think of myself as a BA that can apply his skills in any sector and I, I have worked in other sectors I've, I've done stints in financial services higher education yeah that little bit working with a, a lingerie designer and manufacturer yeah. <laughs> um yeah so yeah, yeah all, all sorts yeah absolutely do you have any um ambition to grow this to be a team of sorts or are you at this moment just kind of thinking you know what one man band this is this is my lane i'm going to stick to it i would really like to grow it um it's a, a real challenge to do that. I, I came to a point um, about a year ago where I really thought I was about to, and the pipeline of work just didn't quite tip the balance enough. Where I, I thought, yeah, I could comfortably hire someone else, and I, you know, even if the work isn't quite there to begin with, I can afford to, you know, pay their salary for a year. I'm not, I'm not going to bring them in and then say. Oh, sorry. There's nothing for you, and yeah, I made yeah. a mistake. I've got to let you go. So I, I would like to. I really want to be in the position where I'm comfortable that I can keep and support that person. Hmm. Yeah. No. Which which definitely um, makes sense. And obviously, that's a lot of responsibility. Um. And and yeah, at least the ambition is there. I'm sure you will get there mm. one day uh, if you keep working towards that. Um. But now looking back to say people who are today they are where you were in 2020 and you know maybe they've been contracting or maybe they've been a permanent um, BA for for some time but they're also based on today's conversation I also thinking to themselves actually I would like to to go down this road first of all would you say yes do it or would you say mm, think about it 10 times before you walk <laughs> down this road I I would um 
I would recommend it to people, but it comes with some some fairly heavy caveats, I think. Um, it can get really hard, and it did get hard for me. Um, getting that pipeline of work coming through that will keep a roof over your head and, <laughs> and let you sleep at night uh, yep. can be really hard because you've got to have conversations with clients, potential clients, that you know do result in you getting a piece of work from them and that's hard because organizations aren't generally that used to going out and, and bringing in a consultant business analyst not many organizations are doing that and so you, you've got to convince them of the value that you you can you can bring to them and that you're you're the right person that that will help them solve their problems um mm. Those conversations, though, you can be talking to a potential client for, I don't know, two two months, three months, where, you know, it's a, an occasional phone call every couple of weeks. And then you get to a point where you're thinking, oh, should I be should I be phoning them back and chasing them? I've not heard anything for a couple of weeks. Are they still interested? And um, they've got other priorities. They've got other other strategic goals that they're pursuing. And they're, you know, they're, yeah. they're doing the day job as well. And so you might not be top of their list and so you, you need to be comfortable enough both emotionally and financially that you can afford to wait mm. and that's really hard because you, you you can find yourself full of doubt you know have i done the right thing here should i just mm. be going and getting a job um, mm. or do i hold out on the hope that this is the one this you know this, this client does actually say yes and they say yes soon and I actually get some work, and that—that's a, a tough mental journey. Yeah, no, I, I, and I appreciate that, and I really do appreciate that. So that's the that's the the red warning light. <laughs> if you're thinking about doing this, think about that first. Uh, but let's just say they've heard what you've said, and you haven't scared them off yet. Mm-hmm. You, they're, they're thinking about doing it. Where do they begin? What 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 kind of things would they would they should they consider doing that? Maybe they haven't they hadn't thought about because all along they've been playing the kind of the employee slash contractor route. Yeah. So it's, it's important to think about, you know, where is the work going to come from? And for me, that was always going to be in the legal sector because that's what I know and it's who I know. I, I have contacts in that sector. Um, a lot of my work has come through. I, I, I know a, a great um, strategic consultant who goes in and, and talks to, you know, the leaders of law firms um to to help them kind of set their their direction um and he can flag up well i know this guy Stu, who can actually help you by coming in and looking at your finance processes and getting those introductions is really important um yeah so i I think yeah taking time to think about how am i going to find this route who do i know that might be a route to, to some pieces of work that's really mm-hmm. worth spending some time thinking about and if, if at the end of that you think actually i'm not sure i have got that that way in um maybe take some time to develop that first before making any kind of leap yeah what's been what's been some of your your highlight moments that you've kind of you know in the moment just felt like yeah this 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 feels good or this feels right that I've, that I'm doing this journey. Um, it's been some of the the workshop moments and um, 
Yeah, because sort of as the, the pandemic hit, of course, everything then went on online. Um, so mastering the, using Miro <laughs> to, to yep. try and run an effective workshop. Um, and yeah, I have have had somewhere I've thought, yeah, this is this is what it's like on the telly, as it were. You know, <laughs> you, mm. you hear sort of thought leaders in the VA community talk about how you can do really great workshops online and. When, when when it happens, you're like, oh yeah, that's that's what it's meant to feel like. Um, yeah, you, you, you get participants, you know, actively um, using the Miro board, and and they're just you know adding sticky notes to it everywhere, and you're like, yes, this is this is what I wanted to happen, rather than those mm. awkward silences where you're the only one moving your cursor around the screen. <laughs> yeah, I've heard a few of those. <laughs> Not not the greatest, but no that that's a that's a very strong that's a very strong um, position to be in, even as a BA. I think it's because I always I always think because I used to work in um, I used to work in sales and or customer service kind of jobs, and the biggest shift that I that I had to go through in my early stages when I made the shift to business analysis was realizing that in business analysis, no one there's no one there really to number one observe what you're doing tell you whether what you're doing is good or bad and then pet your back pet you in the back when you've done a good job kind of thing uh it's almost everything is self-led <laughs> um and and to the point that you made about you know part of the reasons why you wanted to switch to start your own consultancy was having the freedom to do the things that you wanted so they make sense um but then in those moments when you are in a workshop and you know people are really engaging it almost does feel like a pat on the back doesn't it to be like oh yeah this you know i'm i'm doing a pretty good job here as a, in, in my role as a beer because people are I'm not just doing things to say I've done business analysis but I'm genuinely helping people solve a problem here yeah and I, th- I think that point that you, you haven't got other people sort of re- you know watching your work and and giving you feedback on it that, that regularly um that's I think one of the hard things about being um, a solo BA, whether it's in, in my position as a consultant, or even if you know you're a permanent BA in in an organisation and you're the only one there, um, mm. for for me, it's why I, I get so involved and engaged with the BA community to try and keep my understanding fresh about what what does good look like. What, you know, <laughs> who's out there doing good things? What does that look like? What techniques are they using? Um, what, what do they recommend trying out as an approach? Um, I, I now, luckily, through IIBA UK, I have lots and lots of conversations with different BAs. And, I yeah, that's what kind of get, gets me through the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm the only BA in my company. Yeah, yeah. So that's a nice segue to just that bit, the work that you're doing at IIBA. Can you just touch on, I guess, your role there and um, how, how you got into it? Yeah, so I'm currently uh, the Communities Director for Wales, the Southwest, and the Midlands at IIBA UK. Um, that role, oddly, actually com- comes to an end uh, at the end of next month. You, you get elected for a two-year stint. Um, so my, my time is coming towards an end. But yeah, I, I started volunteering um, with IIBA shortly after um, setting up my my company um because i was trying to reach out to other bas i started attending the brown bag sessions that we we run every week um 
And that sort of got me <laughs> thinking, well, yeah, maybe I'll volunteer. That'll keep me involved and engaged. And then, then this role as communities director uh, came up for election. I thought, yeah, I could do that. And it'd be a good way to get to know BAs locally, etc. So put myself forward and nobody else stood. So I, I won that election because I didn't have any competition. That's because you stood head and shoulders above the rest, <laughs> there, you. No, no one wanted to come against you. They just knew there's no point. There is no yeah. point. But um, I, I didn't know. I didn't know you, that's coming to an end. That's uh, that's interesting. How 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 has the last two years been for you then in that role? It's, it's been really, really rewarding. Um, and I have met so many BAs uh, in in my region. I mean, my region's enormous: Wales, the Midlands, and yeah. the Southwest. Um, thankfully, I'm, I'm here in Bristol, which is a nice sort of pivot point between those three areas. Um, but uh, over that time, we, we've brought together um, a great team of volunteers locally. Um, they've been they've been superb helping uh, organise events, find venues. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic to work with. Um, and yeah, really really love working with the the rest of the members of the board as well. Hmm. Ah, that's that's um, good to hear, but also sad to hear at the same time because you do a, such a good job at the at the with the sessions and. Uh, and everything, um, which which are great. So you have touched on uh, quite a, quite a bit there that you, I guess, you have a specialism in the legal sector as a business analyst. My question to you first is: Do you consider yourself as a specialist BA in the legal sector? It's a really tough question. Um, <laughs> I like to think of myself as a generalist. Um, okay. <laughs> and yeah that's that's probably what i try and tell myself and other people that i am but i know that i rely on my knowledge and understanding of how law firms function um that's what gets me work it gets me in the room to to win pieces of work and it helps me when I'm doing the work because I come armed with a whole load of questions. Um, I, I understand what normal looks like in a law firm so that if I'm looking at um, one of their processes, I will probably spot what's odd about it, what, you know, that they're doing something different to everyone else. And that will cause me to ask questions. So I, I lean heavily on my specialist knowledge. Um, yeah, both winning work and doing work. Mm. Mm. On on that topic then of doing the work, do you do you find actually that that's why there's so much value in, say for example, if a law firm wanted to hire a BA, whichever whichever route they go down, whether that is you know employment or contracting or consultancy, um, because and and if they're going to do that, they would typically ask for somebody with some legal sector experience. Do you think that's the reason why? So that when a business analyst is doing business analysis activities, they've just got this extra bit of knowledge that they're able to spot these things very quickly as opposed to myself I've never worked in a, in a in a law firm so for me it might take me I don't know weeks or months to to see something that may take you a day yeah I think I, I don't know per, um, permanent employment it's less likely I think that they'll ask for legal experience and, and part of that is probably because a lot of those BA roles in law firms are still very much attached within um, IT teams and so 
it's more likely that they'll be asking for knowledge of you know agile practices and you know creating user stories and using those tools like Jira and Confluence etc. You'll you'll see a lot of that in there. I think there's less expectation that a BA coming into an IT team in a law firm would know all about the legal sector. Um, right. But I think if they're going out for consultants, um, yeah, then they almost certainly would. Um, yeah, I think that's more likely. Mm. Yeah, and and I think it's because they want it, they want you to hit the ground running. They don't have time to hold your hand and all the rest of it. So yeah. it kind of makes sense. So on on this whole idea then of 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 generalist BA and specialist BA, um, that idea alone. I mean, what what's your what's your thought process in general about that whole which which side of the coin should you be and what should people aspire to be and things like that? Do you think, yeah, which which side do you lean on more? Yeah, um, I for years and years I have sort of banged the drum for being a, a good generalist BA, and that if you are good, you you can be dropped into any situation and thrive there, and you will you will do good analysis work um, that's valuable to your customer um, because because you're armed with such a great set of skills. You've got all of those stakeholder engagement skills. You've got all the the sort of technical analysis skills around around data and, and systems and processes, um, and you you can deploy them anywhere. You're you're good at asking smart questions, etc. Um, so yeah, that's definitely what I've always professed. Okay. I'm just not sure that I've lived up to it. <laughs> which yeah, which 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 makes some sense because. I I would personally say you're a specialist BA personally, but my, I guess the specialism is just simply because you've got that's the breadth of experience in the legal sector. Um, so for me, that I would see that I guess if I was to see your 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 career history, and I'll point to that and say that is a specialist legal BA uh, uh, professional. Whereas it's quite interesting that you would kind of still be like, no, I'm I'm a generalist BA, and I guess. Is that because you feel that although you have got this legal experience knowledge, you are, your business analysis approach and, and methodology and all the rest of it is still fundamental business analysis? Yeah, and I have started to reduce the, the amount that I try and explain business analysis to <laughs> to non-BAs because frankly what why should they care they they, yeah. they should be interested in what are they going to get out of someone doing good business analysis um, mm. and so a lot of those things like oh well you know I can do requirements definition why would anyone that's not a BA really care <laughs> what requirements definition is um, so so I don't <laughs> have those sort of conversations where I'm selling the, the sort of pure BA skill set in those terms anyway. I'm, I'm more talking about what it can do for them in establishing, you know, wh whether uh, a particular system solution might might meet their needs um, rather than using phrases like requirements. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so let's just think of a scenario. Um, I let's just say that I'm early on in my career 
uh, early, maybe I'm thinking a couple of years, uh, right? So two years in as a business analyst, I'm still finding my feet almost, or I'm still learning the trade and things like that. What would you then advise me? Uh, would you would you advise me to focus on, you know, build the bread and butter business analysis skills uh, and kind of go down that generalist BA mindset? Or would you almost say do that, but also find a specialism to to give you an extra edge in a particular area? What would you say to me? I think in early career, um, getting exposure to lots of different types of organization is really, really useful. Um, mm. Because ju- just because, I don't know, a, l- a law firm does things a particular way doesn't mean that's the best or right way. If you've been exposed, say, to retail or manufacturing, there will be a lot of great things um, that you can learn from those that will change the way you then look at, say, a law firm. Um, So, And it it also gives you that practice at trying to deploy those skills that you're learning in different environments. Um, It means you're always learning about a a new organisation as well. And I think... I think being able to do that rapidly is a really good skill to have to to find yourself somewhere new and rapidly try and establish how does this work. Mm. Yeah, yeah, which which really speaks to the mindset of business analysis and, and the mentality of just saying, go in and effectively analyze the problems, understand the business and its operations and all the rest of it and help them to understand the problem and also solve the problem in the right way uh, effectively. The, the specialism almost then feels like a icing on the cake, maybe? Yeah, yeah. I, and I, I think you can, if, if you're relying too much on your specialism, and I, I think it's a similar issue if somebody you know is, becomes an institutionalized BA, if they're in the same organization for years and years, the mm. thing that's helping them do their job is partly the fact that they know how this organization works. They know who to go and speak to about particular problems. Um, and they're, they're filling in the blanks where they can't get information directly from stakeholders. They, they don't need to ask some of those questions because they just sort of know it. But the danger is always then that you start taking shortcuts or you start making assumptions or that you can't think outside the box because you you don't have any other lens to look at things through other than the way you've been doing it there in that place all that time yeah yeah no i i i agree with that which um which i definitely see the value in in ensuring that you're you're broadening your um perspective and your approach and the projects you've been working on it may even still be within the same organization but you're just being very deliberate about being exposed to new areas within the organization so it's not too siloed almost in a specific department specific team all the time sort of thing you're, you're really kind of putting yourself in the unknown whether that's within your existing organization or uh, or another one yeah and i think um there seems to be a a, a trend in sort of recruitment and, and people moving between jobs as well it, it seems far more acceptable for people to move between jobs after a year or two um whereas i think you know 10 years ago that that kind of behavior used to raise eyebrows um yeah but actually yeah people are, are quite comfortable with 
candidates that have moved jobs every couple of years. Um, so I, I think if you're new to the profession, don't don't feel like you're doing something bad by by you know changing your employer um, mm. on a reasonably regular basis. Mm. In your career, did you move around quite a bit? And I had some fairly lengthy stints at places, sort of five years-ish on average. Uh, And looking back now, do you feel like that was too long or enough? Uh, I think that was enough for for me. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I asked that because, uh, to your point that you made earlier about, like, sometimes you may stay somewhere too long you know, you don't realize in the moment you're kind of getting comfortable with the surroundings, the 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 the, the way things are, and you're no longer pushing yourself. But um, yeah, it, it's good to hear that you didn't feel like you were there too long, which is a which would have been an interesting position to be in. Yeah, and um, I, I mean, I've definitely had in in my career times when I've thought that the grass would be greener somewhere else. Um, you know, if I move to another organisation, maybe maybe they'll understand business analysis better, and I'll be able to be the BA that I I, I dream I am in my head um, yeah. somewhere new. And of course, it's never quite <laughs> it's never as bad as you think it is where you are, and it's never as good as you think it's going to be uh, at the yeah. next place. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That is so true. So coming back to this concept of skill, sorry, um, of, of um, generalist BA and specialist BA. Um, let's just say then, for example, that I'm in a similar position as you are where I've just so happened to work in a particular field. Let's just say it's higher, higher education. And I've kind of jumped around different institutions in, in, in the higher education space. Would you recommend uh, or maybe recommend is a strong word, but if I was to come to you and say, right, Stu, um, I've been a BA for 10 years, but majority of that 10 years has been in higher education. And I'm thinking about, I, I can't decide even whether to stick to it or to try something else, right? Like insurance or legal. What would you, would you, what would you say to that? Would you say to me, well, I have a superpower in higher education, so I'd, I should use it? Or, yeah, okay, fill in the blanks of this other part here and that will make you more of a robust BA in different environments, etc. I would probably try and recommend using some BA analysis and techniques on on yourself to to, uh, uncover what you really need from the the situation. Um, Because either path is going to bring pros and cons and and so you just need to work out which of those are the best fit for you and and where you want to be in life and one thing i would really recommend is go and talk to some people in in that other industry that that you're thinking about um lean on your 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 network of fellow bas find out what that's going to be like there and, and what you might get from it um before before making a leap yeah yeah no that's that's a very good point so What's what does twenty twenty four look like for you then? Um, I hope more of more of the same. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, work will hopefully keep me keep me busy. I've been doing quite a lot of work internationally uh, in the last year, which has been really nice. Um, and actually, got my my first 
my first trip into a client's offices since setting up the business um, was actually this summer, and that was uh, in a client's offices in Israel. So that was Ooh. that was really nice. Um, so I'm hoping maybe a bit more, a bit more international work would be would be fun, particularly if I get to travel for it. Um, yeah, nice. I'd love to be able to grow the business and, and bring more people in. That would be really rewarding. Um, and yeah, growing a team that'd be nice awesome. to have. Yeah, no, uh, I I definitely would love. I'll, I'll definitely keep an eye on your journey, and um, would love to see that fruition uh, come to fruition. Even um, so, Stu, I think this has been a really good conversation, and I'm I'm really really glad that you came on the show. Um, you've definitely spoke and touched on elements such as transitioning from you know contracting slash employment to setting up your own consultancy, and you've really all kind of. Help, uh, led us on that journey of getting another bonnet off the realities of that transition um, but also sharing your thoughts and expertise around generalist versus specialist BAs and you know what people should concentrate on which is in a nutshell what I found is driving the value of business analysis not necessarily saying this is what I know this is what I can do but actually this is the value that I bring uh, in the organizations and the teams that I work with. So so I, I really appreciate your expertise in, in breaking that down for us. Um, in closing, I've got two questions. Uh, the first question is, if people would like to get in touch with you and, um, you know, maybe say, their, maybe say their farewells with the IIBA uh, door chapter coming to an end, um, or with wanting to kind of learn more about being a solo business consultancy, but also maybe even look to partner with you in some way, shape or form with Better Business Analysis, where can they find you? So I would say uh, first port of call is probably LinkedIn. Uh, look me up on there. I don't think there are many Stu Mellingers out there uh, online. So yeah, I should be fairly easy to find there. And you can um, send me a connection request, drop me a message. That's definitely the easiest way to get me. No, that's great. I'll put the link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes as well. Uh, so people can find you on that quickly. Uh, and the final question is just based on the conversation we've had today, are there any parting words that you want to leave the listeners with? Um, yeah, just to encourage BAs to connect with other people in the business analysis world. Um, and that could be BAs in other organizations. Uh, it could be um, senior BAs, junior BAs. Um, build yourself a network of all sorts of people because you, you'll learn from them constantly and they will really value hearing from you as well. Um, and you never know when those connections are, are going to be useful. I 100% co-sign that and I completely agree. Um, and in fact, just us having this conversation today is a result of us being connected Absolutely. online. So. <laughs> There you go, right? That's that's motivation enough for you to do so. Um, but Stu, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate uh, you and I also appreciate the work that you're doing and continuously pioneering the, the BA um, profession. So thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Tando.